Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast and I uh, hope everyone is having a good good week and a good day and a good, you know, a good start to this year because 2020 was a long year but hey, we're almost done with the third month of this year and uh, we're still here and uh, some of us have overcome and some of us have dealt with challenges uh, you know, such as job insecurity and food insecurities and health and, you know, challenges but you know, we made it and the society is opening up again and hopefully we could get these vaccines, you know, keep rolling and uh, we could really do better for, you know, the future of this uh, United States and, you know, hopefully the world moving forward. So thank you for joining me on this podcast. And this this podcast, uh, you know, this is triggered by um, something happened recently, you know, in the state of Georgia, where we had some uh, attempt by the previous president to tamper with the elections, uh, an attempt which failed, of course, because, you know, um, those that monitor those offices, the Secretary of State and uh, the Governor's office, we're not going to uh, break the law for him. And uh, they could have gone to jail too. So that would just been a bad idea altogether for everyone involved. And um, after that, it was uh, unfortunately a very strong push in the state of Georgia to actually restrict voter access. In fact, this push was so strong that we had some in the Republican um, House, particularly State House in Georgia here, um, Pretty much trying to prevent Sunday voting in the week of the election, which was said to be one of the biggest drive for older African American population um, to vote. And in my observation, in my communication with younger African Americans, it does seem like the older population participate more in the uh, in the uh, voting, but some do not. And you know, when they go to church on Sunday, they're like, "Hey, this is something we should do." You know, hey, we've gone through many years of slavery. We've gone through many years of fighting for voters' rights. We've gone through many years of segregation. And you know, with that, you you know, you could also have a drive because at the end of the day, people have the right to vote to be Americans. And you know, any way to get them to participate in that process is a good thing. So to 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 see a bill introduced, made it through the Georgia House. And was making its way through the Georgia Senate as a matter of fact. And it would have restricted that Sunday voting and put together some auto limit um no absentee absentee or uh, uh, voting and it was just an unnecessary means to to limit voting. It wasn't necessary. And this was also pushed by the Secretary of State, who many praised for his actions with um pretty much ignoring the previous president in his attempts to defraud voters. And um, this was pretty much going to the governor's desk. I mean, this, this, it was going to be strict to voting in the state of Georgia for no reason. There's one element of it that required showing ID for mail-in voting that people felt could make the um, elections more secured and prevent fraud, although we don't have widespread fraud. That was one that it looks like most people were okay with on both sides of the aisle. But everything else that was added to this bill was just typical. Um, let's restrict voting. Let's, our guy lost. And it wasn't rooted in research and it wasn't rooted in anything that made sense fundamentally. However, it appeared that this was straight line. This is going to the governor's desk. We're going to pass this thing. We're going to restrict voting. You know, the fact, right? I mean, there was ads right on TV, you know, Stacey Abrams. and uh, But amongst others, amongst others was saying that, you know, this is not. Basically, 2005 or 2006, the Republican put together the system we have today to vote in Georgia. And now we have them almost 14 years later because someone they wanted to win lost. They are now finding a way to restrict voting. And I've always argued that they were better off putting forth new I put put forth ideas that your constituents care about. Okay, health, education, 
uh, job security, um, security as a whole. Make sure you know your state is safe. We're going to walk back and forth without worrying about any of those things and make it a business friendly environment and you mind. And as long as that's what you're selling, you will get, you know, the votes. You don't need to restrict voting as your means to control the election. Uh, long story short, Coca-Cola, which is one of the, um, probably one of the oldest globally recognized firm in the world, period. I mean, they've been around since I think the 1800s. And um, Home Depot, which has been around for a long time. And we have a good amount of Georgia's tax base and Georgia's economic activity does come from the film industry. I believe we're like number three in the nation and that has been growing over the last decade. It looks like those business communities with some pool um, in financing political campaigns did come out and say, hey, if you do push through this um, voting restriction, which the minority community is just, you're just living about it, um, you do face the chance of losing funding. And as of today, um, March 22nd, 2021, it does look like the bill as it was originally introduced from the House will not pass because of some external pressure. On one end, this is a good thing, right? Because they're okay, they're not going to push for a restriction. On the other end, it's also it's a terrible thing because it took the business community, not the people, forget the minorities, the black population of Georgia that have been here for ever, and it's a very high, you know, population of minorities here. Um, forget all the other push and daily protests that was going on at the um, state capitol. We, we were willing to ignore that and push forward this legislation. But now we have a problem with the way in which we'll be financed by corporations that, okay, we're going to listen. That's problematic in the quest for a society with, a, with the intent or the beginning intent of designing the government to work for the people. Nevertheless, a win is a win. So what does that leave us? Like, what, what are we doing? Like, it took people with big pockets to really change the mind of a state legislation that was really pushing forward, very restrictive voting that made no sense. They did not take the cry of the people. It's troubling. This is not how we definitely have a, a better America. And what about all the states who don't have such influences like Iowa and uh, Indiana and uh, all the states that push, you know, very strict voting. And this is states that Republicans won overwhelmingly. Republicans still control the House. And it's, it's a weird response. It's like, let's, let's disenfranchise the black people some more. You know, <laughs> I don't get it. Mississippi were pushing, you know, similar strict uh, restrictions. But I only know Georgia because that's what I've paid attention to and that's what I've uh, researched more. <sighs> Americans cannot have a situation where they, um, they trade their rights. I, I think to be a, a properly developed country as, as it is, um, here are five things that, that, that I've seen that makes a really powerful, a really strong country like the United States, the one you know, I'm in, <laughs> and a lot of us, the 300 plus million people are in. That never works, make us one of the best in the world um, economically. Um, we have one of the best, I would say, researchers and you know medical writers in the world, but the way our insurance system is built and that relationship that exists, I would say we have one of the more terrible healthcare systems in the world, but we have the best, you know, like the best machinery, the best audit. But um, you know, we have one of the best economies, one of the best militaries, one of the best education systems in the world, also one of the best health operators in the world. I don't want to say the best health system, because I think our health system is is, is crap given what we have on the other end of it or around it but for any country to work the way that ours has um and uh to be very strong the way it is and for its populace to do well there are five pillars 
one of the pillars happens to be um, security. So that's, you know, national security on the federal level. You have a good military. They can protect enemies from coming in and, you know, harvesting your resources. They can protect enemies from coming in and attacking your, your populace. And your populace have a peace of mind and they feel safe and they could function and move freely without the fear of an invasion. Okay. We, 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 we have that. At the um, state level, you have security so that people can go to work, drive back home, not worry about being robbed on the roadside and stuff like that. Uh, for the most part, they can go home, close their doors, and they're pretty peaceful. And they could have, they could lay their head and they could go about their day, day and day and day. And the same can happen for their kids. So, and also we have a good, you know, we could talk about incarceration or what we could do with that. But we have a good system that, you know, when a criminal is caught, they're incarcerated somewhere, they don't have the power to just get out and cause more havoc. Okay. At the state level, we have that, you know, security. For the most part, education, you know, we have the federal FAFSA program, so a lot of people could get education that otherwise couldn't. And we have universities that are willing to provide education, and some have good programs, and some have payment plans, and some do not. But for the most part, you know, if you want to get education, 300 plus million people here, most of them can get education. Okay, that's number two, education. We have that. And on the K through 12 system, anyone in America saw the best of my understanding pretty much could get into school. If you want to make a case that some people are saying restrict people that don't have blah, blah, blah. Um, no, that's stupid. We have K-12, let everyone have access to it. And if you think the parents are in contributing to fair share due to a paperwork, well, we have immigration bills that pass them so they could pay and contribute to the system, right? Um, so we have that. Number one, for any developed country to be developed and continue to grow in the security, we have that. Number two, we have education system. Um, the colleges are good here. The K-12 system, fantastic. It could improve, yes, but we have that in the very list. Number three, healthcare. So that's people have access to medicine. They have access to um, good doctors and they have medical facility that works for them and they can receive treatment. Um, we also have that system in place. However, it doesn't work properly. And um, what I would stress is that healthcare should not be linked to employer. I think everyone should have healthcare. In fact, employers should provide some kind of substitute some kind of a system to where they could pay in and the employees could say i want my own health care and if i'm working for you you just have to pay into the system i think we should reform the whole health care system it should not be linked to having employee employers and you know, independent contractors and small business owners it's been said that we have way more uh, we had way more small business owners in the 70s than we do today i think a part of that is tied to the fact that healthcare is heavily tied to employers, which, you know, we need to work on that. And um, we can make a system where it's free for some, but however, healthcare is affordable for all. That's where I think we really need to fix our healthcare system. But again, the top five things that every developed, strong, growing country should have. Number three, health, we have that. It could vastly be improved upon. Number four, elections. The people votes should always count. So you know, in some countries, they vote, the military picks it up or the security picks it up. Uh, they bonnet, it. They don't count it. <laughs> it disappears or it's crossed out and they're writing a different name. This does happen a lot in tall world countries. We don't have the problem. We have a different problem with our elections. So they're, um, they're heavily influenced by lobbying, pack money, um, outside donations, sometimes even foreign outside donations. And um, I think we could fix that by creating a streamlined, easy, and accessible voting for everyone. So if you're 18 and you're an American citizen, ultimately have the right to vote. If you're naturalized, pretty much the day you get your citizenship or four years after you get your citizenship, it should be it should be some kind of federal registry that is it's pretty much just automatic. You have the right to vote once you're an American citizen. 
no if, no, no, no buts. Now, if we want to have a system that says, hey, you know, you're a felon and it costs taxpayers money or you've been in jail for 10 years, blah, blah, blah. Federally, we, we shouldn't have any restrictions, but if state wants to do that, then we could, it needs to be, they need to be able to get a right back right away. So that's upon release or upon release, show three years of filing taxes. Pay, don't pay, don't care. Just show three years of filing taxes and not go back to jail. Their rights should be restricted right away. I personally don't believe in, restrict, in restricting anyone's right to vote, even if they're going to commit a felony. And I know that sounds blasphemous and some people want their restrictions. But even if it, and uh, I don't think because you, and the jail doesn't, you know, like, yeah, you know, it makes you, makes you a criminal in that sense, but it doesn't make you just come off the act. I think a lot of people that look at strict voting for people that have committed crimes in the past, those who have committed crimes, they've done the time, and they still want them to vote, they kind of look at them down and look at them as like scums or something. And you know what? That's that's a no. Yes, we have repeat offenders. And we have people that are just, uh, to an extent, a menace to society. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they've served the time, they've come out, they've filed taxes for three years, it's a matter of the pay. They should have the right to vote automatically. And that should be the highest restriction we have. They want to participate in democracy. The American citizen, they have the right to do that. They should be able to do that. Um, so the five pillars, the fifth pillar would be walkers and business relationship. So we cannot go back to the 60s where we had kids working in factories and their hands being chopped off and employers not paying workers' comp, you know, like all of those, all of the things we have now to an extent, you know, workers' compensation, although it's done by state, the companies kind of lobby what they could pay for, what they can't pay for. It's, 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 I don't like the system we have in regards to that. However, um, the five pillars that I think I've observed make any developed society prosper and continue to thrive tend to be security, which we have, education, which we have, health or a health system, a functioning one, which we do have, granted it could be better, elections, so free, fair elections, which I do believe we have, we know obviously we have with Jerry Mandarin, and we could have all the tins, but we have the election process in place that works at the very minimum. And a, a relationship between workers and business that is, you know, that is regulated properly to where the business is not fully taking advantage of the workers and the workers have some power. They have, you know, they have to, to lobby through their own packs and the business had to lobby through their own packs. So there's, there's some balance there. So the, the, the five pillars of, of any strong society, we as Americans uh, in the United States, we, we, we have that in this society. However, some things that, that could be fixed. I believe, you know, if you work for any employer for one year, on average of 35 hours a week, every single year you work there, you should be entitled to one month's compensation, contractor or not. And I know that's not the definition of contractor, but give and take, we, I don't, we can improve on the worker business relationship. Employer healthcare should not directly be linked to working for a firm. You, the firm should pay into some system to where you have the ability to work and you're not tied to them. Or they provide you with the best healthcare and then they can compete with other bigger employers. The relationship between the healthcare system and the doctors and people not being covered because they don't have healthcare, all that stuff is nonsense. We, we totally could fix that. But in the long run, we do have a, a society that has those five pillars, and that's a good tip. However, um, this podcast was about the influence of big business when it comes to government, which we've seen played out in Georgia due to the laws that we're trying to pass to restrict voting assets, but because big business threatens to basically limit funding, then the legislators are now changing their mind. In fact, they may actually expand voting assets in Georgia. So, it's good and it's bad. And I think that's something we can fix and 
I do think HR1, which is a bill that was put together by the House and has been criticized by the other side. Uh, but um, here are some of the highlights of HR1. HR1 of 2021, um, passed by the House. It has not passed by the Senate, but it should pass. And here's something that it does. One, automatic same-day registration, which I talked about, and I have always been a fan of that. Before I knew it was a bill, or bill trying to put for Congress. Vote by mail without as much restrictions. I am a fan of that. Because for a developed nation is where, come on, let's 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 get everybody to vote the easiest way. To, or we could make November third the uh, is it third or twentieth? Whichever day we we'll vote in November for the big election, make that a public holiday. Make that a public holiday. Mandatory. Um, it restricts limits on removing voters from the registry. This is HR one. It requires states to have independent redistrict redist uh, independent. <laughs> <laughs> redistricting commission for congressional races. It limits foreign nationals financing. It improves the disclosing of funds from different organizations. Member of the House cannot serve on for-profit institutions. I did not know that members of the House do currently serve on the board of for-profit institutions. Like apparently they do. And this law is to restrict that. It also include a code of conduct for all three branches of government. So member of the house cannot serve on the board of for-profit entity and establish additional conflict of interest and ethics provisions for federal employees and the White House. HR1 on paper, honestly, is in fact something that um, we need. So the problem with this is the Republicans not wanting to pass it, they, they, they're gonna stop it and blah, blah, blah. I think the campaign finance part of this legislation is what a lot of corporations don't want to pass. And I think that's what they're lobbying against. And they have enough money in the Republican um, echelon to kill this bill. And it's the Republican vote to pass unless you go through reconciliation in the Senate. We have these five things in America that all nations need to survive and thrive. Security, education, healthcare, election, and a relationship between the workers and um, the businesses with some government involvement. That is government making sure that, you know, people are not working 60 hours a week and getting paid low wages with no, no health care. That's something the government can step in and fix. And I think the government have stepped in and fix over time. And it could be better. And I think we're taking some steps back. I do agree that we need to improve on every single one of these areas. So over the next few weeks, I will probably pick one of these um, paths and talk about it. But I also, like, there's a little shine on my mind <laughs> when I was putting together this particular episode. So I was intentionally writing down. China, I don't, the reason why I, I can see how China is not compared to, let's say, um, Mali or um, South Africa, or well, South Africa is still a developed country, but I could see why China is not looking the same view as some East Asian country and Middle Eastern countries and African countries. It's because they have, they, they do have these pillars, they, they do have these pillars going for them. And although there's, you know, there's probably a huge population of poverty in the end, although we can say the government oppresses its people, they do have national security, you know. And to an extent, they have state-level security. Like, no one is going to go invade them. And for the most part, people can get from home to work pretty safely. And even in education, people have access to that good amount of the population. I don't know if they have a care through your system. You need to look into that. They do have health care. They have, you know, some very smart people and they have a health care system. Do have an election system granted is you know run by the government for the government with the government and maybe the election system is not for everyone i'm starting to see that and they do have some walkers business relation with heavy government influence 
But here is what I think could be going on with a nation like that. Population over 1.3 billion or something like that. If you only provide security, education, healthcare, election, and some workers being able to have a means to work and make a living for 30% of that population. So let's say 1.3 billion people in China, uh, 130 billion, it's 10%, 260 billion, it's 20%, uh, 390 billion. Three, so, three, so 390 million people, let's say only 30% of the Chinese population have access to the five pillars of a modern society. Security, education, healthcare, election, and some um, workers and business relationship functioning. 30% of 1.3 billion people is like 390 million people. That is more than the entire United States population. So maybe 70% of the Chinese population may not have access to these five pillars, or maybe only half may not have access to these five pillars. But if 20% do, that nation is going to be like, fine. That's probably why they're able to come and compete with us globally. That's probably why they have the influence they have across the globe. And they're going to keep expanding that because they also want to push that for their population. If we go in the other direction and we'll go to a country like the Democratic Republic of Congo, I'm not sure of the population of the Republic of Congo. I don't want to insult the population, so I'm not going to guess. But let's say that security, okay? We know that foreign firms come in there and mine its resources. So yes, there might not be a military invasion, but there is some invasion and the military of the Democratic Republic of Congo, the best of my understanding, it's not as strong. They will fight off those particular influences, so they don't have the security on the national level the way that they need it. No country or firm is going to come to the U.S. completely unabated and influence the United States government, the United States people, and run the United States. That's going to be very hard to do. In Congo, that's not the case. So on the um, state level, they do have some security from what I understand in the capital and in certain more difficult parts of the Congo. However, it's like limited. Number two, education. It's not a federal or FAFSA program, neither is the K-12 system. But some people can get education, but obviously, definitely not the same as what we have. Three healthcare, it's definitely no Medicare and Medicare in the Republic of Congo. It was not the mass influence of the best healthcare institutions in the world, dear neither. They may very well produce some of the best doctors, but they most likely will not stay in that region due to not having all of the other factors. So they will be shipping out some of the best talents they have in the medical industry. They will keep some, but a smaller population than they otherwise would. Election, honestly, that's not a thing over there. Obviously, it is, but it's one of those things to where people that do vote, not all, ballots get picked up, pretty much bonds, all tossed out, or not really counted. Okay? In the relationship between workers and business, uh, business control that particular environment. The workers don't have as much power relationship with the government as they should. So let's see how that will be considered a whole country and not one being developed or doing well. Whereas China might not be falling into the category. And the US will be more on the, you know, there's a list of top twenty countries that has those top five things going for them will be in the top twenty in almost all um categories. So it is important that we not only keep having these five pillars of a strong society, but we continue to work in protecting that and building that. And this will be my case for HRO one passing, civil rights voting right, um, laws passing, and expanding voting access for all Americans at all times. Uh, thank you.